Amen, amen. Thank you, worship team. Let's pray together as we turn to God's word this morning. Father God, it is in the power of Christ that we can stand. It is so easy for us to lose sight of the person and get sucked into religion and philosophy, but we don't follow religion, we don't follow philosophy, we follow a person, a real living, breathing person who really was here, who really lived, who really died, who really rose again and is alive forever. His Spirit is present here with us. We want to pursue Him. We want to know Him. We want to understand Him. We want to see Him. Because in Him is life. And life to the fullest. Father God, as we turn to Your Word this morning, God, we desire to understand Jesus more clearly. Everywhere we look in Scripture, we see Jesus. And we pray that You would help us to understand that a little bit more clearly today. That we can follow Him a little bit more closely. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, turn with me this morning to Psalm chapter 6. Psalm chapter 6. We're going to continue reading in our summer of Psalms today. Psalm chapter 6. It says this. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is deep in anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? I am worn out from my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Away from me, all of you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be overwhelmed with shame and anguish. They will turn back and suddenly be put to shame. Do you believe that God hears you? Do you feel like you can cry out to him? Are you allowed to hurt? And do you believe that God is with you when you do? This morning we're continuing on in our summer of Psalms, exploring the poetry and the songs that were written to express all kinds of things to God, personal things, communal things, psalms of worship and celebration, words of heartache and brokenness and even anger and fear. The Psalms cover the whole wide world of our experience and capture something universal in our journey through life and our journey and relationship with God. They inspire us to celebrate and rejoice. They give us permission to hurt, and they can give us the words to express the things that we struggle to understand. The Psalms are powerful and intimate and important. And already in our summer of Psalms, we've seen so much of what God is inviting us into. 
The kind of relationship that he desires with us. Openness and honesty and vulnerability. God knows us better than we know ourselves, but we are really, really good at lying to him. And we're pretty good at lying to ourselves too. And in the Psalms, God shows us that he understands us. And he knows our hearts, and it's okay to be real with him, and it's okay to be real with ourselves, too. So then, how's your psalm coming? Blank looks. A couple of weeks ago, we were looking at Psalm 19, and that that beautiful psalm that expresses such an incredible depth of worship and submission And we were challenged to reflect ourselves on who God is and what he has done and to express yourself to God. To follow in David's footsteps and put your heart onto paper too. To be real with God. He ends Psalm 19 with the words, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. And as we've been encouraged all through this series to spend time with these psalms ourselves and reflect on them through the week after we study them together here, one of the pieces of connecting our hearts with these words is to try to express ourselves in the same way, to pour out our hearts, to write it down, to tell God what we're feeling and what we're experiencing. And to tell God how we see him, too. What we know to be true about him. It's powerful. It's important. God wants to hear your heart. And that can mean a lot of different things because life is filled with a lot of different things. We have endless incredible examples all through scripture of what it means to follow God. Some pictures that look very different, how wide that experience really is. You've got Adam and Noah and Abraham and Daniel. You've got Esther and Ruth and Hagar and Deborah. Job and Samson and Josiah and David. Scripture is filled with these stories of real people dealing with real life and trying to follow and understand God and pouring out their hearts in the midst of every circumstance. Success and failure. Celebration and heartbreak. In times of confidence and when they were filled with fear. We've talked about this already, but again, so often in the church, we feel like we have to have it all together. That if we're following God, then we should be fine. That we should be blessed. And being blessed means having a good life. No problems, no struggles, no hurts. And if we are experiencing these things, then something is wrong. We are doing something wrong. Our pain is our own fault, and so we have to hide it from others, from ourselves, and especially from God. 
It's almost instinct. It's hardwired in us. When we sin or when we just experience pain, we want to hide. Adam and Eve in the garden, right from the beginning, they sinned and they experienced pain and hurt and shame as a result. And their immediate instinct was to hide, to pull away from the only one who could truly heal them. And when we sin, and even when we're just hurt, whether it's our own fault or not, it doesn't matter. We want to hide too. And so today we come to Psalm chapter 6. And this incredible expression of David's heart to God, where he shows us that we don't need to hide. That God wants to hear our hurt. He wants us to pour out our hearts to Him. Our deepest and most desperate desires and needs. Now, we don't know what David is talking about specifically here. We don't have that information. We don't have any clues as to what was going on in his life at this time. Again, we know that there were lots of terrible things in David's life. Many of them were his own doing. But lots of them happened to him as well. But David is broken here. He's hurting and he pours out his heart in incredible desperation. And this language is important for us to see and know and understand so we can use it ourselves. But he begins, Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. It seems like maybe he's done something wrong here. But we don't know that. And we don't know what. But it's broken him and he continues on, have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Once again, we see just how deeply and desperately David desires God. Over and over again, he cries out to God with this hunger and this need for God's presence. David experienced relationship with God in such a deep and profound way. And everything he did was connected right to his father. I want that. Do you want that? Is that how you would describe your relationship with God? He carries on, turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the great grave? We have a bit of a turn here. We seem to start in a place where David was afraid that God was punishing him for something, but now it feels like Maybe there's something bad just going on in his life. Maybe he's hiding from Saul when he writes these words. Or maybe he's on the run from his son Absalom. He seems to be connecting his present struggle with something he's done that he's earned this hardship perhaps. But again, he's crying out to God to deliver him. 
I'm always so challenged by David because this is a king and a powerful warrior. He is as strong and capable as anyone, and he has an army around him. People that follow him, that serve him, that would do anything for him, and still he cries out to God for deliverance. So often in my own life, when I'm experiencing hardship, my immediate reaction is just to try to deal with it myself, to fix it myself or survive on my own. But David, he has all these resources in his life and still a whole kingdom at his disposal and he cries out to God for deliverance. Why do I wait so long to do the same? Usually I'll get there, but not before I've caused myself a lot more headache and heartache than I ever needed to. Why do I hide my struggles from God? It's not like God doesn't know what's going on in my life. But David sure doesn't. Listen to what he says here. How honest and emotional and vulnerable he is. I am worn out from my groaning, he says. All night I flood my bed with weeping. I drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. David is so open with his emotions here. Look at these images flooding his bed, drenching his couch. Again, in the church, we're supposed to be okay all the time. We're always fine, but David wasn't fine. And that was okay. And when he wasn't fine, he went to God, crying out to him, literally crying with God. And this is particularly important in our culture for men to see. Men in our culture are not allowed to express emotions like this. It's getting better, thankfully, but there's still heavy repression on men to hide any feeling like this. But it's true for anyone. We all feel this pressure to keep it together, to push it down, to power through. But again, this is a man, a king, a powerful warrior, exhausted from weeping. Weak from sorrow. Completely overwhelmed. Are you allowed to be overwhelmed? Because God is telling you, you are. But finally, look how David finishes this psalm. Having just expressed how deeply he is mourning, how broken he is, he ends by expressing total confidence. He says, away from me, all of you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be overwhelmed with shame and anguish. They will turn back and suddenly be put to shame. 
David just showed incredible vulnerability and fear, deep mourning and sorrow, crying out to God for help, asking God to save him from his troubles. And in the end, he knows God will be with him. This is such an important part and something David does over and over in the Psalms that he's written where he's expressing these things. We have so many Psalms where David expresses this sorrow and fear and crying out to God and he always ends with this same confidence declaring that he knows that God is with him. That God loves him. And that God can save him. This is so important for us to see because it's all too easy for us to just throw our questions at God without waiting for Him to respond. Or to feel like we're just crying out into the void, talking to a wall. When God doesn't answer right away with a voice from heaven, with the clouds rolling back and a beam of light coming down, we can feel like He's not listening. Like he doesn't hear, like he doesn't care. When our circumstances don't change right away, when our problems don't disappear, we can feel like God's not there. That we're yelling into nothing. But David shows us the power of truth, declaring truth, even when we don't necessarily feel it. He ends with this statement of total confidence. The Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. God hears you. And he is with you. Whether you feel it or not, whether you think you deserve it or not, whether you've earned it or not, God hears you and he is with you and he loves you. And he desires life for you. This is a powerful psalm. Grief is a very complicated thing. And while we each experience it in our own way, David is showing us so clearly that we need to express these things to God. We cannot hide our hurt for him. That a true and real relationship with God is not just about putting on a happy face and pretending everything is okay or powering through or dealing with it yourself. It means crying out to him. Telling him what you are experiencing. Letting him see you. And that's real. And that's hard. That's scary. We don't like those parts of ourselves. It feels weak and vulnerable to show those things. It's uncomfortable. But it's so necessary. So important. Because God sees it all anyway. And he has never intended you to walk on your own. We are built for relationship and community with him and with one another. And that's where there's another layer in this psalm that's really interesting here because we can 
jump right to verse 1 and start talking about grief and shame and quickly dive into the incredible imagery that David uses to describe his grief and his pain and see how God desires us each to pour out our hearts to him. And that's good. That's powerful. That's important. God wants to lead you there in your journey with him, in your devotions with him, as you reflect on this psalm personally. But there's another layer here. Right at the beginning, again, we often skip over those little italicized preface notes, those introduction lines, because half the time we don't recognize the names in there or the words that they use. We don't really care that this is for the director of music or to be done with stringed instruments. Who cares? But hold on a second. And look at what that simple preface means. David wrote this psalm for himself, pouring out his heart in the midst of suffering, but God has preserved it for us together. David's psalm was given to the community of believers, and God has given it direction to use it together, to express these things together. He wants us to experience this kind of vulnerability and raw relationship together. To express collective grief and to go to a place of real intimacy and vulnerability as a body. God has preserved this psalm for us and he is clearly giving us permission and direction to pour out our hearts just like this together. How do we do that? Are we allowed to do that? I mean, we gather together weekly as the church, but so much of our experience of God and our relationship with Him is intensely personal, and we talk about it in that way too. The message and, and language of the church, certainly for the last 50 or 100 years, has been more and more individual, our personal relationship with Jesus, our personal salvation, our individual needs, our personal devotions and spiritual disciplines, our individual efforts and prayers. And We've done this to ourselves in the church. We've used this language. But in our world as well, in our culture, religion is becoming more and more a personal thing. Not something that we can talk about as a community. It's your thing for you to think about yourself alone. We've made following Jesus a solo effort, an individual sport rather than a communal experience. But here, even before this psalm begins, God is calling us to express these things together. To experience grief and repentance together. Individually, each of us choosing to pursue Jesus, but doing that together. And this isn't to get sucked into, and so the church is awful and broken and everything is terrible and everything used to be so great as these kinds of messages so easily become. We do do this. We sing together and pray together all the time about all kinds of needs and hurts and struggles, and that's good. 
But the church is meant to reflect God, and God is relationship, the Trinity together. And sin has broken our relationship with one another, and it's put up walls of guilt and shame between us that we can't show these parts of ourselves to each other, the way we're created to. We can't see each other the way God meant us to. But He wants us to. And that's scary. We don't really know how to do that because we're afraid we're going to get hurt. And you know what? We probably will. Because we're broken people. We're hurting people. And hurting people hurt people. But in a psalm like this, we can see that God wants to share our hurt too. He wants us to be with Him in the middle of it. He wants to see your heart. He wants us to share that truth together. And if it were just up to us to find that healing in ourselves, we'd be lost. But we can know this love and trust Him not to hurt us because He first loved us. And he gave us his son to show us just how deeply he does love us. God sees our hurt and he knows our pain and he sent his son to bring us healing. And he's heard our weeping, he's heard our cry for mercy, and he has accepted our prayer and he's given us Jesus. This morning we're going to Take communion together and remember and celebrate just that. That God understands our hurt. God understands our pain. Because Jesus lived here with us. And he died for us. And he rose again. We have the elements at the front here. And we're going to invite you in a moment to come again as an individual or if you're here with friends or family, you can send a representative to come and gather the elements on your behalf. But take this time and recognize that God grieves with us. God hurts with us. God desires us to share those things with Him because He knows them anyway. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before You. And we bow down. We want to lay our hurts before You. God, it can be scary to do that because it feels so vulnerable and we fear that we're going to be hurt even more. But God, we can know love because you first loved us. You are love. And in your son, you have shown us what love really looks like. You understand hurt and pain. Jesus grieved with us. He hurt with us. And so he can share that burden with us. Father, we thank you for his sacrifice that you can bring us new relationship and fill us with hope and peace that we don't understand. That in the face of our deepest hurts, we can know that you are there. As we take these elements now, God, we pray that you would speak to us. Draw us to that place where we can share these hurts with you. We can nail them to the cross. And trust Jesus to be enough. In Jesus' name, amen.